Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served the Valley for decades. You don't have the long history that they have unless you've done a great job for so many people. Customer service means everything to them. So whether your need happens to be auto, home, life, business insurance, they'll find you the right insurance so you're completely covered. They'll get you the best price, and then they will make sure that you are covered throughout. If there's ever a claim, they'll go to work as if it happened to them. Why? Because... Customer service means everything to them at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. You always want to deal with the best. Purdy Insurance certainly is all that and more. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's War. Play-by-play call the day. What a day for Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers ducks in under center. Jones, the lone setback. He scored three times today. And here's the handoff. Jones spinning his way right side. Reaches goal line. Touchdown! Touchdown, Green Bay Packers! Wayne Larrabee with the call on the Packers Radio Network. Aaron Jones did something yesterday no one had done in the 60-year history of the Dallas Cowboys. This is their 60th season. Nobody's ever rushed for four touchdowns in a game as an individual against the Cowboys until he did it yesterday. Wow. That's our play-by-play call of the day. All right, let's get to BenJonesStateCollege.com. Ben, welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I just want to say off the bat, I don't know what time the Ohio State game next year is going to be. They yeah. haven't released it yet. I, I, I don't. Th- I can't remember a game that I've been asked more about when is it going to kick than this Michigan game. So my my DMs are very happy to say that it's seven thirty and no one needs to ask anymore. I completely appreciate everybody's enthusiasm. I really do. But after all these years, don't you know how it works? You just be patient and wait until they tell you, usually 12 days ahead. I mean, I, mean, I think everybody thinks that, that we get, like, inside info. I find out an hour before it's released. An hour. And I don't use Twitter, so I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never know. I mean, I understood the noon theory with all that Fox sure. stuff. But, but, you know, yeah, I, I if if I knew the thing everyone wanted to know, I would be telling people, I promise. All right. Um, and by the way, for Fox, you know, there are four-day parts, noon, 3.30, 7.30, 10.30. Noon is the one they win right now. Fox right now has higher ratings than ESPN at noon. So that's why they've been doing these noon kickoffs. That's why they've thrown so much into it. They can now go out and sell something that they, they are first in. That's why they've been doing it. All right. What did you think of Saturday, the way it played out? 
Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think you look at the first quarter, you look at how Penn State played, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, Penn State fans want to see. It's a team that's shorthanded against a team that, even with all of its parts, Penn State's still probably a little bit better than. Um, you know, you come out, you punch a team in the mouth. But, you know, it's funny. We talk about how Penn State in these, these alternate uniforms against Indiana, the first time they wore them, had a very similar first quarter, uh, came out and scored a bunch of points against Indiana, and then kind of lagged along the rest of the way. I don't remember what that final score was, but the first quarter was, you know, sort of the most explosive. You see the same sort of thing on Saturday. Penn State comes out, uh, you know, gets a comfortable lead. You know, I, I think there's probably a tendency here for people to ask, you know, do they get a little complacent when you're up 21 points against a team that can't move the ball? And I think there's truth to that. Um, but, you know, you look in the second half, Purdue made some good adjustments. They got a little flustered. And, and ultimately, you know, they didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily a game that commanded their full attention, at least offensively. I thought the defense played great all four quarters. You can't, you know, fault them there at all. Um, so some of it is that, and I think some of it is is uh, a younger team figuring out when someone adjusts and does something that you're not ready for or, or changes things a little bit that fluster you. How do you get back out there the second drive um, and respond to that? How do you adjust to that? So, you know, there's some good, there's some bad, but ultimately, you know, you win, you score 35 points in a Big Ten game against anybody other than, you know, really Rutgers. Um, you know, it, it's hard to complain about that. When you look at the defensive front, the four-man front, and the job they did on Saturday. And obviously, they had mismatches between the tackles and the ends. I mean, Penn State's defensive ends and their tackles. But what has that now done to see that kind of pressure and also how Micah Parsons has adjusted the cut blocks? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're Penn State's defensive front, um, this is the kind of game that you wanted to see because I think, you know, for as good as all of these guys are, no one's, you know, doubting whether Etor is a good player or not. Um, you know, I think they've seen a lot of max protect. They've seen a lot of situations that they haven't been to flourish, been able to flourish in faster passing, so you can't get into the backfield. So I think for them, you know, to steal a basketball phrase, to see the ball go through the hoop, um, you know, I think it's big. Shaka Tony has been great all year. I think he's a guy that probably simply because they've got so many good players, almost gets overlooked um, going into the season. He was great. I mean, Micah Parsons, I think you're just seeing him getting better and better at, at learning all the little things. Um, you know, the the thing that was disappointing to me the most about him, uh, you know, missing most all of the Maryland game was just seeing how he came uh, out and played after the performance that he had the week before. Um, so to see him come back out, have a good game, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I, I think the, the sky really is the limit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you look at that defensive front, how they played, you look at Micah Parsons, how he played, um, you know, that's the sort of Penn State defense that I think fans have been waiting to see. They just kind of needed the right situation to tee off on somebody and show you that they could do it. Uh, Sean Clifford, your thoughts on how he played? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Sean has been very efficient this year. He's been good in a lot of the intermediate stuff. Um, you know, he'll be the first person to tell you that the deep ball is a situation that, you know, they're really all kind of still figuring out. Uh, and I think they're going to have to figure it out sooner rather than later because once you start playing defenses, they keep everything in front of them that know that you're not necessarily going to take these deep shots. Or if you do, it might not quite work. Um, you know, it impacts the running game. It impacts your ability to have chunk plays. You know, obviously K.J. Hamler and Jahan Dotson have both been great this year, but they've been good after the ball has been in their hands. It has not necessarily been 30-yard throws and then 20-yard runs. These have been, 
you know, varying degrees of distance in the air and then all the work after the fact. Um, but, you know, ultimately you can't, you know, Sean has made limited mistakes. Um, ultimately, both of the biggest mistakes he's made didn't make a difference. Uh, but I do think that you're seeing a guy that is still on a weekly basis. We talked to him after uh, the Maryland game about how he had figured out that he was starting to, to understand what he was looking at defensively. He was getting, you know, kind of taking film work and seeing it better and better on the field. Um, you know, I think we're so used to seeing Trace McSorley go out there and play so well because he played for so long that we kind of forget that Clifford is only a few games into his starting career, and a lot of this stuff um, is something that he is still getting used to. No matter how much he practices, it's just different to be in a game. Um, so I think there's things he's got to work on, but he knows it. Um, and I also think at the end of the day, you look at the efficiency that he's had and really the ability to make smart decisions. He's running the ball better than I think I probably gave him credit for at the beginning of the year. Um, so, you know, ultimately you can't complain, but, you know, there's no doubt that Penn State's going to go the way he does, um, and they both have a lot of improvements for work towards. Uh, what were your thoughts on Noah Kane? Yeah, I mean, you know, James Franklin is trying as hard as not to have this conversation every single week, but, uh, you know, you, your eyes tell you what your eyes tell you, and they tell you at least this week, um, you know, that Noah Kane looks – like a guy that deserves more carries. Now, I think you look over the past couple weeks, there have been moments that Journey Brown has looked like the guy that has more carries. There's been moments that Devin Ford looked like the guy that deserves more carries. Ricky Slade is really the only one that has not had sort of that moment. Um, it would be interesting to see how they use Slade the rest of the year, if they can get him out of the backfield and maybe catch some passes or do something, get him in space. Um, but Noah Kane, I mean, you know, we look at the blue-white game about – you don't want to make too much out of things that you see in the blue-white game, but you saw Noah Kane in the blue-white game, and he looked really good, and everybody goes, wow, that kid is really good, and then you start to see this against Big Ten teams. Um, you know, he just runs with a purpose. He runs well after contact. He sort of has that, I'm not going to compare him to Saquon, but he has a certain ability to stay up and gain extra yards, um, you know, after contact that he did. Um, you know, ultimately, and this is true for pretty much everything that has to do with this Penn State team, we're going to learn a lot about him over the next few weeks. So yes. we'll find out if Noah Kane is, is really as good as we think. We'll find out if, if Penn State's defense and if their offense and all these things are really as good as advertised. But, you know, you go with who they've played and how they've performed. Uh, Noah Kane's certainly making a case for himself. Finally, thoughts on Iowa? Um, you know, I saw limited numbers of plays um, – against Michigan while we were in the press box, but it seemed like every play, uh, you know, it was either thrown out of bounds, a bubble scream, or running for their life from about Michigan's 40. Um, that's probably a representation of that team. Right. Uh, there's nothing about playing at Iowa City that's easy. I think that is probably nationally and even to a certain extent within the Big Ten, uh, you know, one of the most underrated places to play in the country. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching all of that. So, even if Iowa is not necessarily better than Penn State, even if Iowa's got more things to figure out than Penn State, um, you know, you can't go into Kinnick and assume that anything's going to be easy. So I'm expecting, um, you know, a competitive game like the last time. Although we expected that, you know, the first time Bill O'Brien went there and he blew the doors off of him. Right. Uh, so you just, you just never know in college football. Ben, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Yep, thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, ben Jones from statecollege.com. Two interesting guys at Rutgers have decided to shut it down for the season and redshirt. I'll tell you about it in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Quarterback Arthur Sitkowski and running back Raheem Blackshear, and Blackshear's a good player, by the way, have both decided to redshirt. They played their four games. They're going to redshirt and sit out the rest of the season. And they're going to then at that point move forward and play next year. Wow. The problem is going to be this. If you are a coach of a team, and in this case it's the interim head coach, Nunzio Campanile, his quote was interesting, I thought. He has maybe a little more latitude to say something, a little more. But you're not going to get any coach to come out against this. Why not? Because the second you do, the second you do, it gets out there in the recruiting world. And that's why you're not going to get any coach saying anything against this. So Rutgers has now grown the the growing trend of players sitting out. It's all started with the bowl games. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, and now it's filtering. And I said that. Now, remember, Sean, when this was happening, I said it's going to start happening in the regular season. Remember how many times I said that? Quite a bit, yes. And guess what? You're seeing it. It's funny because with, with the whole thing with uh, McCaffrey and with uh, Leonard Fournette, oh, how, how could you possibly, why could you possibly sit through the bowl game? And now it's just kind of commonplace. You don't hear, you don't hear the l- loud roar from the opposite side much anymore. And you're not going to hear a coach say anything about it. The reason you're not is if the second you do, it's going to be used against you in recruiting. I'll see. They won't let you do what you want. They're not really into players' rights. Now, Nunzio Campanile 
the interim head coach at Rutgers, said, Am I disappointed by it? Incredibly. Do I understand it? I guess so. I guess that's the way the world is now. I think that this is a game about your team, and it's about sacrificing personal accomplishment for the success of the team. And you saw this happen at Houston. You saw this happen at Houston with their quarterback. He decided to do this. Uh, Eric King and receiver Keith Corbin both announced that they're going to sit out this season. So they're done. At Kansas, running back Khalil Herbert left the team before the team's fifth game. So... Johnny uh, Langan, who's uh, a transfer, is going to start a quarterback the rest of the way for them. Okay, then there's SMU. Did you see this SMU-TCU game? Again, you're not going to have any coach talk out, speak out of turn out of this. They don't want to be crushed in recruiting, so they're not going to be critical of it. It's just like with the image likeness situation. You can't If you're a coach, the coach cannot sit at a podium and give you an honest answer on how they feel about it because it'll be used against them in recruiting. So they're all going to be for it. Every one of them. Okay? Now, I'm for it as well. I'm fine with it as long as you work out as many unintended consequences as possible. There needs to be a lot of discussion on this before image and likeness happens because that has to be done in such a way where it works for as many people as possible, but also keeps it in a lane. So I'm I'm fine with it, just you have to sit down and work out as many unintended consequences as possible and built it into the formula. And you're still going to find some something that's going to happen that you didn't think of. I mean, there's no question, that always happens. It's not because you didn't try, it just happens. But you won't have any coaches speaking out against it because it'll hurt them in recruiting. You won't have any coaches speaking out against this. Oh, we completely support them. And you're sitting there as a coach. Come on. You don't think Nunzio Campanile can talk a little bit more. He's the interim coach. He can talk more. But you don't think he's sitting in his office going, you got to be kidding me, really? I mean, you don't think he's not sitting there thinking that? He already inherited a bad situation to begin with. It's a tough deal. He inherited a tough deal. Now it's going to be even tougher. You just like bury your hand, your head in, in your hand and say, are you kidding me? All right. Well, got to work around it then. Next man up, got to work around it. Because you can't tell them no. Tell them no, it'll, it'll hurt you in recruiting. You speak out against it, it'll hurt you in recruiting. So you got to roll with the punches. See what the SMU game where they rallied to win? That was crazy. Yeah, I actually found that on ESPNU Saturday night since Ohio State had that game in hand against Sparty. I was looking around for another another exciting contest, and yeah, went into overtime, and what a comeback. And then there's Virginia Tech-Miami. All right, that game had a couple really bizarre moments.
when you look at the game, okay, Virginia Tech's up big in the game, right? And and Miami is excuse me, uh, Miami's coming back. Okay. So in the process of coming back, they get it to 35-27. And they go for two. Huh? With 4.55 left. You're like, I mean, if you kick the extra points, seven points. Okay. So they go for two and they get it. Well, now it works out. They get the ball back. And they score. Now the extra point will put them in front. Now you're a genius. The kid missed the extra point. <laughs> so you... So it's 35-35. You made the two-point conversion, which didn't make sense to go for, but you got it. Then you score. Now you can win, now you can go in front with that extra point. You missed it. <laughs> Actually, ESPN left the broadcast. They thought it was over. They moved on to the Tennessee game. It's like, oh, they put one extra second back on the clock. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't matter. Right. Oh, boy. Went for two and got it, which didn't make sense. Then kicked the extra point to go in front and missed it. Obviously, they knew more than we did. Dave Giacchini, next half hour. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their customers... The best insurance, whether it's auto, home, life, business, the best price. And if something ever happens, they go to work as if it happened to them because customer service means everything to them. It is Purdy Insurance, the best in the business. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Very quickly, we'll just get you up to date on the playoffs. Uh, first of all, the uh, Cardinals. My old friend Mike Schilt is the manager of the Cardinals, and my old friend Ollie Marmel happens to be the bench coach. They lead the uh, Braves 3-1. to one. That's in the bottom of the fourth. Mike, at one point, was the third-base coach for the State College Spikes, and Ollie Marmel, for two years, happened to be the uh, uh, manager of these Spikes. And Tampa Bay leads Houston 10-3 in the bottom of the eighth. They hit four home runs Tampa Bay did off of Zach Greinke today. All right, uh, let's bring in Dave Giacchini, head football coach at Bucknell. Dave, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. The legendary Tom Mitchell had a record that stood for 55 years. And Brandon Sanders broke it on Saturday with 14 receptions. Where has he developed to the point where he is such a reliable option in your passing game? Well, I tell you what, it's, it starts off uh, with his hands. He's a guy that, uh, you know, you can just throw it 
you know, within a certain radius, you, you know that this guy is going to catch the football. He catches it in traffic. He catches it coming across the middle. Uh, he can catch the deep ball. So he's got as good a hand as we have uh, on the football team. Uh, he's a young guy. He's continuing to learn. He just keeps getting better. You know, the, the comfort level in our offense, you know, this being a new offense for him, uh, he's continued to progress. You know, he didn't get a chance to play last week, which was unfortunate, uh, but we were able to get him back this week, and, and he just keeps getting better and better with every passing game. Do you have the potential of finding a compliment on the other side to him that can, where he can draw attention and then it becomes a problem because you have somebody else on the other side that can take the pressure off? Yeah, we really feel like we do. You know, Dominic Lyles is a guy who, again, uh, you know, he's missed, uh, missed some time, had a concussion and a sprained ankle, but uh, when he's been healthy, uh, he's averaging, you know, more yards per uh, reception, actually, than Brandon is. So he's a guy that, uh, you know, had a, went over 100 yards a couple weeks back and, and certainly has the capability of, of being someone who can uh, – uh, be a threat on the opposite side as Brandon. You know, John McGuire uh, is another guy who's uh, started at our uh, flanker position, and, and he's just been a steady Eddie. He's been a guy that uh, hasn't broken any big games yet, um, but he's a, another very reliable uh, pass receiver, runs good routes, is a really intelligent player. So uh, we just feel with, uh, you know, has all three of these young men continue, young men continue to improve and, and even more importantly as Logan Bittikoffer, uh continues to get better at the quarterback position uh, this is, is certainly uh, you know what's going to make our offense go uh, in the future. Garrett had that big pick six for you what kind of anticipation has he developed? I tell you what, he has done a phenomenal job. You know, he's always that overhanger, nickelback, outside linebacker guy. Uh, he studies a lot of film. Uh, he is intense. He's a great run stopper, and he's a guy that maybe uh, you know, at, at as you watch the film, you say, well, maybe we can pick on this guy in the pass game, get him out in space. Uh, but he does a great job out in space, and, and uh, I think that it was a great. Uh, break on the out route. He anticipated it. Uh, he, he pulled the trigger and transitioned and exploded. And, and the best thing about him is, again, he doesn't hesitate. A lot of guys get to that moment and then they, they kind of freak out as a defensive player. He gets so few opportunities to pick off those passes. and Sometimes you tend to drop more than you catch. But, but man, he, uh, he showed no fear, stepped right in front of that, and, and then outran uh, several uh, Holy Cross uh, players uh, to get to the end zone. So it was an outstanding play and, and you know, a chance that really blew that game open and put us up 14 nothing. Right, and that's something I always talk about when I talk about defensive players. They have to see it and believe it. Yes. If you're not quite sure, then you're not going to make the play. If, right. you, if, you, if you see it, believe it, boom, you're going to make the play. So. Yeah, and, and that's uh, sometimes that's the the biggest danger when you play with young guys in the secondary. That's you know sometimes one of the last things that comes. They're there, they're they're ready to make the play, but sometimes you know it's it's a knockdown or an incomplete pass. But what you really needed there was the interception, and, and just with this is his guys gain experience, and, and Garrett's one of those guys. He's played a lot of football here at Bucknell over the last couple of years, and uh, and I think that showed. You get into a tough, hard-nosed football game, which is what you were in at Christie on Saturday. You find out a lot. So what did you find out, Dave? Well, unfortunately, there were some good things, but uh, you know, it was really the first time, and, and as a disappointing thing was, 
uh, first time all season, we had a significant lead. We were up 14 nothing. Things right. were going well. Our players had done a great job in the prior couple of weeks of dealing you know, with adversity and, and, and fighting back after giving up a big play or, or being down a couple of scores and still hanging in there and making the tough drive. Well, this was the first time we were up 14 nothing. Uh, we had Holy Cross back uh, third down and 16 on their own eight-yard line and really is an opportunity you know, to come up with a big third down stop, force them to punt from deep in their own territory and gain possession of the football somewhere around midfield and a chance you know, to maybe go up 17 or 21 nothing. And as opposed to that happening, that's kind of really the, the mark. As you look back in the football game, we gave up the third and 16 conversion. Three plays later, we gave up third down and nine. Three plays after that, we gave up third down and eight and three players at plays after that we gave up third down and three a 30 some yard touchdown and so it was one of those situations where you know we kept getting so close to stopping the drive and keeping the momentum with us uh but we just couldn't do it and then part of that again i got to give holy cross credit they came up with some spectacular plays great throws great catches on some of those third downs uh, but i think it was really at that point where you know, I, I looked at, at, at some of this, the guys on the sideline, and you just kind of see some doubt creeping into guys' mind, like, right. okay, this is where it falls apart. And that's really what I got after a uh, post-game. It's like, hey, we have to learn how to deal with success just as much as we needed to deal with with adversity, you know, yeah. at, at the beginning part of the season. And, and uh, uh, so that's something that we're, you know, hoping that we can get better at because as the game went on, when it came down to those critical situations, in the third quarter on offense and, and in special teams and, and on defense, we just kept, we would get to that critical play and 90% of them swung uh, in favor of Holy Cross as that second half went on. And we still played a heck of a ball game and hung in there yeah. because we couldn't get over that. Your defense ended up in a game like this with seven tackles for losses. Among them were four sacks, a couple of interceptions along the way, which we already referenced one anyway. Usually, if you're going really well in defense, you can play cover two and rush four and get pressure. Are you at that point yet, or do you still need blitzes to get pressure, regardless of what you're playing? Well, I, you know, I think right now that, that I would sum it up as we need to be unpredictable. Uh, we yeah. did a great job, probably better than any other game thus far, in mixing up and disguising our looks, showing press, pressure and bailing out. Uh, showing pressure and coming, blitzing different linebackers. Simeon Page, uh, who blocked the punt for us earlier in the game, really did an outstanding job. He wound up with one sack himself, but uh, you know the two of the other uh, three that we got during the game were as a result of him blitzing, disrupting things, and freeing up a, a defensive lineman to make that sack. So uh, we're getting better at getting pressure on the quarterback. I think we're capable of disrupting the timing and rhythm in, in the pass attack. We're just not quite good enough yet to, to line up and say, hey, you know, you know what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. Let's see you stop it. What did you think of Chad Freshnock's performance? I tell you what, I, I thought it was uh, his, probably his best rushing performance of the season so far. He's done an outstanding job. In fact, you know, he, he's probably – one of the guys who week in and week out, uh, you know, has uh, probably consistently the best performance, and, and he's been there and he's played through some pain, um, and you know, he had 78 yards rushing, um, you know, I think on 14 carries or something like that. So really uh, has has opened up 
his average yards per carry over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, unfortunately, at the end of the game, back in, in, towards the end uh, of the third quarter, he strained uh, that groin and just couldn't finish the game that way. And that's something you know he's just kind of been dealing with that all season. Uh, but he has just been, uh, I mean, he's a driving force behind uh, our rushing attack, but he's also made some key receptions in third down situations. And even more importantly than that, he's picked up some blitzes and really given our quarterbacks time, uh, you know, whether it's corners blitzing off the edge or, or inside linebackers coming up the middle. He's physical enough to take those blocks uh, head on and, and physically stone linebackers, and he's also. Uh, gifted enough to also mix it up and cut some of these blitzers as well, and he's done a great job in, in both. All right, now you got to go up to Hamilton to take on Colgate. Uh, like uh, you, they're coming off a 21-14 tough one with Lehigh. Uh, I know you have to work on you, but what are some of the keys to facing them? Yeah, well, you know, they, they're they a team that, you know, preseason uh, unanimous pick to repeat as champions. They find themselves 0-6 right now. And, and again, similar similar to us, they've dealt with a lot of injuries. They've had a different quarter, I think three different quarterbacks play for them. Uh, so they've, they've had a lot of inconsistent play as well, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. It's a very talented defense that's played some good offenses. Uh, you know, they did a great job uh, hanging in there, uh, keeping them uh, competitive in the game uh, against Lehigh on, on Saturday. And, and the, the biggest challenge that we're going to face is we need to keep getting better on defense, keep doing the things uh, that, that I think the steps uh, in, in the right direction that we had against Holy Cross keep doing that on the offensive side of the ball you know they've got a defensive end and Nick Wheeler he is um, probably uh, arguably the best defensive player in the Patriot League we're going to have to know where he is at all times and uh, because we just can't you know he if, in a one-on-one blocking situation where it's run or pass uh, you know it's going to be really really hard to stop him so we've got to be smart we've got to be a little bit creative uh, with what we're doing, continue to build off the confidence that I know Logan Bittekoffer has had these last two weeks in the past game. Uh, but we got to mix it up. We got to keep them off balance with different uh, uh, runs and, and RPOs, and and just not let them kind of zero in on knowing, hey, they're going to throw the football. Let's get after them, or, or hey, we know they're going to run the football on this play. And and as long as we can be smart and creative with our game planning and and uh, keep plugging away. Uh, we're going to have a chance, but it's going to be a difficult game. It'll be at 1 o'clock on Saturday on Eagle 107. Coach, as always, complete pleasure. Thanks so much. Best of luck this week. Thank you very much, Steve. Take care. Dave Giacchini, head football coach at Bucknell. We'll wrap up the show in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. We announced earlier the long national nightmare is now over. Michigan will be in prime time. Glad we don't have to be asked that question for the 82nd time in a week. You must know. No, I really don't know. <laughs> you want to know how many times I asked? Uh, I've had a dollar for every time you were asked here over the past week. That yes. would cover your dinner tab here coming up Friday night. I mean, do you know how many times I asked to find out? Uh, let's see. I will say zero. Exactly. Sure. Because I understand how it works. They don't know either. 
They don't know. TV does what TV has to do because they're trying to garner what they think is the best rating. I've had people be, uh, that, that have told me how critical they are of Fox and what Fox is doing by having the big noon kickoff. Okay. All right. I understand that. It's it's it maybe not best for your schedule, and that I completely understand. Oh, that, complete, that game, right, I'm, that game and, right after the Urban Meyer show. So, yeah. Right. But yeah. there are four-day parts. Now, this week is going to be Texas-Oklahoma, by the way. There's some great games coming up this weekend. Right. Well, that, you know, and remember, you know, for all of you complaining about a noon game at Beaver Stadium, Texas and Oklahoma are playing at the Cotton Bowl on big noon kickoff. That's 11 a.m. there. Right? So it's even earlier at the Texas State Fair. Central time. So when you look at the four-day parts... Noon, 3.30, 7.30, ESPN wins three of them. They always win 3.30. They always win 7.30. They always win 10.30. Guess which is the one Fox wins every week? Noon. They've invested a lot in this big noon kickoff concept, and they've put a lot of big games like Michigan-Iowa, Michigan-Wisconsin, Texas-Oklahoma at noon. And guess what? They're winning it. And because they are winning it, they can go sell it. You're right. They're investing a lot into it because I was catching the back end of the game. I believe the Penn State game ended sooner before uh, Iowa-Michigan. And, yeah, you got the Big Noon Saturday logo there at the top right-hand portion of the screen. It's past 3 o'clock on Saturday. And for them and their salespeople, this has turned out terrific because guess what? By winning the time slot, they can sell it. I mean, we were joking earlier this year. Boy, will there be a West Coast game landing on Big Noon <laughs> on well, Big and, Noon and Saturday? <laughs> now, next year that may happen. Next year that may happen. Yeah, not but this, this year, year, of course. Yeah, yeah. Pac-12 Pac said no. Yeah. Well, but the quality of the product could be a, a lot, lot better. Big Noon Saturday which goes against the final hour of ESPN game day. ESPN game day is beating that. You can only take the 11 to noon hour because that's the only hour Fox is on competing with them. Well, the bottom line is uh, they beat them by a little bit better than ESPN does by a little bit better than two to one. But then when the game comes on, when the game comes on, Fox wins noon. And well, they'll take that. I mean, that, they'll take that. I mean, how right. many how many years have they tried to uh, have counter programming on against Sports Center on FS1? Right, and it doesn't work. Well, that's what's happened for them. That's the one. They're four. They're four day parts. That's the one they win. The other three they don't win. In fact, the other three they're not even in the neighborhood. And of course, CBS is the prime competition for ESPN at 3.30. Fox is not. So that's why they've been going with this concept. They've been working hard to win it, and so far they've won it, which means they can sell it. It's not convenient for the fan uh, because noon kickoffs are tough for fans. You know, it's an, you got to get there early. It's, you know, not easy. you got to fight a lot to do it. So I completely understand it. Turned out that Michigan's going to end up on uh, ABC. And the 
Braves, I think, just took the lead. Yep, the Braves lead. It's now 4-3 to three in the top of the fifth inning. Gorgeous day in St. Louis. But that's what it comes down to. I mean, they're a business. They bid a lot of money, $240 million a year for the rights. And because they bid $240 million a year for the rights to Big Ten football, you know, among other things, this week's a Big 12 game. But they invested a lot of money in it, so where's the return? The return is, can we win a time slot and can we sell it? Well, they're winning the time slot, which opens the door for them to sell it. That's how it works. And that doesn't mean it works out perfectly for the fans. Like I said, Texas-Oklahoma, it's a noon game. Well, it's a noon game here. It is not a noon game there. It is 11 a.m. there. And believe me, in my career, I've done my fair share of 11 o'clock Central Time kickoffs. And it feels like and you're in the broadcast booth at nine, you know, on the air at 9.30 in the morning. Central Time, when you do that. And it feels like you're there at 9.30 in the morning Central Time. I mean, the parking lot is sleepy. The parking lot is, you know, it's not the same energy as what's going to be like in Iowa City on Saturday. It's not going to be the same energy as the Beaver Stadium parking lot before the Michigan game. Those night starts bring with it a different level of energy. I'll take your pick. Yeah, you've had your early kickoffs in Purdue, uh, Ryan well, Purdue, Field. Pur- and uh, Pur- Purdue's Eastern time. That's true. Purdue's That's true. Eastern time. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. I just automatically think every every corner of Indiana is a central time zone. But. Now, almost every corner of Indiana is Eastern time, except for Gary. I think Gary is on central time. But between Ryan Field, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and obviously Iowa, those are all central time zones. All of them. I think one time there was a game in the mountain time zone that kicked off at noon, and you're like, oh, my, at 10 a.m. Wow. So I'm glad the game is going to be on at 7.30. Back-to-back weeks at 7.30. 7.30 is actually good, at, believe it or not. Because being at 7.30 actually helps because we're not getting back from Iowa until probably 3 in the morning. And for everybody, that little extra time does not hurt the time frame. That actually actually benefits the football team, too, and the support staff. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.